0: Welcome to episode 66. This is Paula Jenkins, a life and career coach and the host of Jumpstart Your Joy. I'm super excited to have Danny Williams and Stephen Hundle, two actors from every Christmas story ever told and then some, join me this week. They are true multi-passionate renaissance souls. And these guys juggle work and families and are putting on this amazing play to help support charities over the holidays. We talk about how they manage to do so much, how commuting can suck the life right out of you, what it's like to prioritize and balance your life. We'll talk all about the details of their show. And Danny gets me laughing so hard at the answer of the last question about jumpstarting your joy that I actually snort at the end of this episode when he talks about fighting naked. (laughs) I really love getting to talk to both of them and had so much fun. I I just know you're going to love this episode about spreading joy during the holidays. First, I want to give you a big, warm welcome and say thank you so much for listening. If you want to follow along with this episode and get all of the links and other additional information, the show notes are on my website at jumpstartyourjoy.com slash episode 66. And if you like what you hear, and I sure hope that you do, and you want to subscribe, Jumpstart Your Joy is on all the major podcasting spots. So if you head on over to iTunes, iHeartRadio, Player FM or Google Play Music and search for Jumpstart Your Joy, you'll find us there. I hope that you will hit the subscribe button. Do it! And please leave a review. Um, it really helps other people find the show and uh, gives them an idea of what you think about it too. An exciting announcement over the next couple of weeks, I'm going to be sharing. Shout-outs to some of my students, all of whom are launching or have launched their very own podcasts as part of my Jumpstart Your Podcast class. First, Vanessa Soto is the host of Doing It On The Side, a podcast that looks at how people fit passion projects into their very full-time lives. She interviews people who work nine-to-five jobs and also have these amazing side gigs or hobbies. You can find her and her show at doingitontheside.com. Second is Ms. Lisa Curtis. <laughs> and she just recently launched her show, The Mindful Retirement. It's a show about retirement lifestyle planning, and it is simply charming. I love the episode with Faye Kaplan, who is a hundred years old. It's the sweetest interview ever. You can find her show at the mindfulretirement.com and both of these shows are also on iTunes if you want to subscribe or find them there. I'll link up to all of that in the show notes. So if you're thinking of starting your own podcast, you can sign up for my free podcasting fundamentals class at my website at jumpstartyourjoy.com and you will be on the VIP list for when I enroll for the full jumpstart your podcast class next year. And now on to the interview with Danny and Stephen. Okay, well, welcome to the podcast. Today on the show, I have Danny Williams and Stephen Hundel. Welcome to the show, guys. So glad to have you both here. So, Danny, if you want to go first, uh, tell us a little bit about what things were like for you as a child. What were your early sparks of joy?
1: Oh, uh, my my early sparks of joy. Uh, I definitely have to say that it comes from kind of like performance, uh, if you will, right? Like seeing other people laugh and smile. And I think some of the earlier places I saw that was initially, you know, going out and being in a position where people are laughing or enjoying or cheering you on. If there's two specific instances that I can really recall. The... First was probably soccer, right? When you go, you get the ball, you're driving. And yeah, I'm like, I don't know, under eight or under nine. And I score the goal and like the team's all excited and the parents are all cheering. And, and you know, it's like, oh my God, I did something. And look at the response that all of these people had. And then you feel good about it and they feel good about it. So that was one. Mm-hmm. The other one, it, it's kind of funny. you know, speaks to a lot of my character. And I don't remember this per se because it was really <laughs> in preschool, but my mom raves about it all the time. Uh, and so like we're graduating kindergarten and, you know, we're up in front of everybody. And so, you know, as people are going along and they're like, oh, well, you know, congratulations, Susie. When Susie grows up, she wants to be like her mom. Little Joey wants to be like his dad. Uh, David wants to be a firefighter. And of course, you know, Williams was the last name. So I'm always <laughs> at the end. Yeah. And so I'm the very last person. And they say, well, Danny aims a little higher. Apparently when Danny grows up, he wants to be God. <laughs> and everybody laughs and I was like oh well I just thought I should be something really great so <laughs> that's what I chose and everyone's laughing and so there's those two two moments that really I was like oh okay you know what I really like being in a crowded atmosphere I really like mm-hmm. seeing other people smile and laugh so that really was some of the early memories of it
0: oh, I love it yes I, I have to say that I mean I For the audience, we know each other from uh, both being project managers, basically in marketing roles. But like, yes, I also love that. Like I laugh and that's like a point of connection. And I love it when other people like that's their connection point. So, and Stephen, how about you? What were, what are some of your early sparks of joy?
2: Well, you and I have a lot of similar interests, so it's probably going to sound like I'm just copying him, but uh, sort of the same thing, just uh, that the feelings of accomplishment you get when you when you solve a problem or you you do something. So I played soccer as a young kid as well. And I remember the same thing. Uh, One point that stands out is my coach had been working with me on being a team player, passing the ball around and all that. And uh, we were actually losing a game uh, by one goal. And uh, he comes over to me at halftime and he goes, look, you've been doing a really good job at being a team player, passing the ball, but just go dribble through everybody and score a goal. (laughs) I did. (laughs) So, you know and it was great because we ended up winning the game but just that that feeling that you know sometimes being a team player is great but sometimes you just you got to be you and you got to do stuff and and as well you know performing I did I did plays in our church and, and things like that so I enjoyed doing that and my mom always says I was the, the class clown my teachers always said I was the class clown, clown making funny comments in class and stuff like that and so like Danny said it's just a real joy when you, you're you performing or you're just being yourself and you are bringing joy to other people
0: yeah I also loved drama so and improv especially so what? It, why don't you explain what you guys do now and kind of like and maybe allude to what you're up to for the holiday season in my day-to-day life I am
2: uh, an IT director for my family's business small to medium business uh, we're franchise owners for Carl's Paul's the Juice and a new concept called Pyology, which is uh, mm. custom-made to place.
1: Yes. Um,
2: very good. All very good stuff. My parents have been doing the calls junior stuff for 25 years. We just celebrated the, the anniversary of their first restaurant. So something that's deep-seated in our family that has kind of affected our lives pretty much as long as I've been alive. You know, it's, it's a... It's It's a joy to be in that family business. Uh, My parents are running it. I'm the IT director. My Mm -hmm. sister is the marketing director. My brother-in-law works there. My wife works there. So that takes up a lot of time. (laughs) It's it's kind of tough because it's not just a nine-to-five job. You get to go home and forget about whatever you're doing. I'm on call 24-7. So I get calls late at night, early in the morning when the register systems aren't working. and uh, Things like that.
0: Very cool. Yeah, and that's interesting. So, Danny, what is it that you do?
1: Uh, so, <laughs> since the day that you and I had worked together at Good Old Tech CU, uh, you know, building, redoing the website and the infrastructure of the whole company and, and really setting them off for continued success. You know, I've worked at several places uh, in Silicon Valley holding various roles from um, you know, website uh, through marketing and, you know, working with product and global teams and even being the you know, VP of marketing a startup. Uh, I just got really tired of the commute. You right? it, it had a huge impact. Mm-hmm. Having a family is tough when you have to commute four hours a day. It's like, okay, those 20 hours a week are just completely gone. And you know, kind of getting to the the crux of the overall you know joy factor, right? The basis of our conversation here is. You know, twenty hours a week when you have a family really limits the amount of joy that you can experience. In fact, it, all it does is magnify the stress. And so, yeah, you know, I was really feeling that and really deciding at a, a particular juncture, you know, whether I wanted to continue doing that. And I had the offer for a CMO role, you know, more a little more closer and locally. But I ultimately decided that I think I have the skill set. I've got the networking and I've I've got everything I need in order to start my own business. So mm-hmm. January of this year, so 2016, I got a partner who, uh, somebody who used to work for me at one of the companies. And then we started our own advertising and marketing agency. So uh, CraneConversion.com, And we you know basically do all types of marketing, paid marketing, PR, we do guerrilla marketing, we do events and whatever comes through the door. We've got a couple contractors that work for us. It, it's really exciting, but mm-hmm. it takes a lot of time, you know, doing that kind of business consulting and advertising and, and role. Um, but it's really rewarding because not only do I get that 20 hours a week back uh, yeah, from, from the commuting, which yeah. you know you end up investing part of that time in family and part of that time in your own business as you try to grow, make sure everyone's got consistent, continued work. But it's yeah. really exciting. I'm really happy I made the choice. Uh, there's been you know, several sacrifices uh, along the way as you go to invest and start your own thing. But you know, this is the short term right? The medium and long-term are looking really promising. And so I'm really glad I made that choice because I think it'll open the doors for just a lot of opportunities or a lot of experiences that I would not have otherwise had.
0: Awesome. Yeah. And I totally agree. I mean, one about the commute, like, and we're all in the Bay area for people who maybe don't know location for us. So San Francisco near there, but yeah, I've done the hour and a half to two hour each way commute and, and you're right. It zaps you by the time you get home, there's not room for much else. I mean, and if you're trying to push, through that and do something else, it's it's just overwhelming. So yeah, it is a reality, and I think it's very. I mean, I'm glad that you made a choice that gets you out of that because it's yeah, it's it's not doable for a long term at all.
1: You and I had a conversation. I can't, and we even came up with a term for it. I can't even remember what it was. I mean, I don't like doing things poorly, right? So instead of doing right. things poorly or you know half-butted, I don't know if I'm allowed to say the other one here. <laughs> 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 Instead of doing it that way, you know, I just sacrifice sleep, and I'm like, okay, well, let's see. Uh-huh. This week, uh, I've got a lot going on, so um, I'll start at 7 a.m. every day, and I'll end at 2 a.m. And then, uh, you know, it would with, mix with, and then that's not straight work, right? It's like, okay let me set aside work and go to family Then go back to work. Then let me Mm -hmm. set aside both of those things and then go work on, on theater and the play and stuff that we're trying to produce and the show we're putting on, you know, next, this coming weekend. And you know, like it's just so many different things and avenues. It's like, well, there's the things that really drive our joy that really, we really enjoy doing and we love uplifting spirits. So like, I don't want to sacrifice doing that. So I'll just sleep less (laughs) for the Mm -hmm. short term.
0: Well, yeah. And I think for short stints, like you said, that kind of, it can. Allow you to kind of shift through and like get through a hard time, but probably for more than a what a couple of weeks, a month, six weeks is not more than you can't really do that more than that amount of time, I imagine.
1: No, you're tying it back in, right? Not having the commute enables me to mm-hmm. do so much more of that, and that's not to say like people who have a commute can't do it. It's just right. you just know what you're sacrificing, and so you just have to be really careful about what you put on your plate and make sure that those are things that you really value. I definitely failed to do that for large chunks of time over the five, six years that I was commuting out there. And, you know, no one's perfect. And there were times where I was like, why am I doing this? And other times where I was like, okay, I'm happy to do this. And I found balance somehow. But it, it always seemed to be short-lived for me when you're commuting four hours a day. It, it's just really hard to work anything else in.
0: Yeah, totally agree. Well, so do you guys want to do the big reveal on what it is that you have coming up this week?
2: So we are doing a play uh, in this city called Every Christmas Story Ever Told, and it follows three actors who, at the start of the play, are going to perform Charles Dickens' beloved holiday classic, A Christmas Tale, mm-hmm. and then two of the actors decide that they do not want to do that anymore because they do it over and over again, and so they convince my character to do every Christmas story and get suggestions from the audience of different things to do, and pretty much run through all the different stories over the course of the play.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, It's, it's definitely awesome. like <laughs> it, it's crazy. It's like a madcap romp. It's like, Oh, okay. Uh, what can we interject and how can we interject stories and Where can we find props to create characters on the fly? Right. That's the guys. And then uh, it, it's just, it, it's a, it's a lot of fun. So Steven's character, uh, his name is Jim. Uh, my mm-hmm. character, his name is Michael and Jim plays the straight guy. And he's a, he's a, He's a straight and narrow. He's the, the serious type on stage, determined to do a Christmas Carol, no matter what the other actors, uh, myself um, as Michael and then uh, John as John. So we have another actor, John <laughs> as John. And, and, uh, and there's only three of us. There's only the three of us actors through this entire play. But like Stephen mentioned, we break that fourth wall. And we mm-hmm. go out and re-engage and the audience, right, as part of the play. And each of us, I don't know, well, what do we have, like 10, 15, 20 costume changes each? Yeah. We play oh my gosh. number of characters each. Yeah, each. Like, we'll run off stage, and then, like, seconds later, you're back on stage as a completely different character. Like, we are so dependent on the amazing crew that we have. Like, we run off, and you have one person, like, ripping all your clothes off, and the other person putting <laughs> your clothes, new clothes back on. Right. <laughs> it's just crazy.
0: <laughs> that sounds that sounds pretty awesome. And how much of it is written versus like, are you guys improving on this or like, what? How does it work?
1: Uh, I would say we improv <laughs> when uh, we mess up. <laughs> <Not> <laughs> <much better>. Yeah. <laughs> Which is bound to happen in every performance, right? Yeah. The play is written. The play is published. It was written um, originally, I think the first performance was back in 2003, if I I can recall right. And it was written by three other actors. Um, They allow for a lot of modification of the script uh,
2: Mm -hmm. in
1: order to make sure it's always timely. We definitely... Play off of each other, and and like once somebody introduces one thing, like we kind of build on it later in the play. So sometimes it's hard to tell whether it's been improv or it's a part of the script, and sometimes it's both. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And you definitely have to be on our toes because when you know like we don't like I I don't want to give away everything but when you interact with the audience you know like depending on the response of you know the giant audience as a whole you gotta get the audience going you have to interact a little bit there is some there's some surprise elements that we have to work really hard for on stage so
0: awesome yeah and I can I can get what you mean having done a little improv it's one of those things where I mean, one, if you get a great suggestion or whatever, you can run with it. But there's also that thing about the mood, like each audience has a different energy. So if they're laughing hysterically from the beginning, then you're like, OK, this is going to be easy. <laughs> Sometimes yeah. not so easy. Yeah,
1: um, yeah, exactly.
0: Cool. Well, do you guys have a little bit that you want to share about some of the dialogue?
1: I said it is I'm a game show host and uh, Stephen is one of the contestants. Um, and then there's John's the other contestant there as well. Now, Jim, as I was saying, Santa Claus or Saint Nicholas was an actual person, born in Turkey around 271 A.D. He was the bishop of Myra and became the patron saint of, well, just about everything: sailors, merchants, paupers, murderers, scholars. It, I mean, you name patron it.
2: Patron saint of murderers.
1: Well, yeah, sure, and thieves, and pawnbrokers, and bakers. And, I mean... really have a patron saint. Well, generally, he's the patron saint of anybody in trouble, and there are many legends about how he brought gifts to those in need, usually at night, so no one could see him. Hence the idea of Santa Claus delivering presents on Christmas Eve. Oh,
2: sure. To all the good little murderers and pawnbrokers and thieves.
1: Jim, you're missing the point here. The point is, the spirit of Christmas and the spirit of giving has spread pretty much worldwide. And millions of people have Santa Claus traditions. And millions and millions of children do believe in him. In Brazil, he's Vovuindo. In China, he's Lao Lauren. On Easter Island, he's Rappahago. Mataquita Ringi. So you see, Jim, when you stop believing in Santa Claus, that's when you start getting clothes for Christmas. What did you get last year, Jim? Box. And the
2: sweater. And a $5 gift certificate to Lenny's.
1: Denny's. Denny's.
0: <laughs> so yeah you can see that jim is the very serious guy here <laughs>
2: <laughs> yes i was just saying I, I try to be serious but john and danny do their best to try to make me laugh the entire day
0: that sounds like fun too because <laughs> the audience <laughs> yeah, is probably in on that
1: <laughs> yeah it's it, no i can tell you uh steven's got talent because i could not hold a straight face like that guy can so <laughs> yeah
0: Yeah. And I know you guys had talked to me a little bit before we hit record around there's been a few challenges with the show. And I mean, I can only imagine based on what you both have explained in how your lives are so full right now, that there would be at least some juggling and probably some other stuff that's gone on in order to pull this off. So how has that been trying to bring all of this to life while having very full lives?
2: We all have full-time jobs, including John, and John's the director as well. So he's got lines, he's got directing us, he's doing a lot of the props, and he's doing a full-time job. Danny's been doing a lot of the marketing. I've been just kind of running around wherever I can help. And on top of that, you know, we day-to-day lives, we're all married, they have kids, I don't have kids. We, uh, you know, it's, it's tough because we're not getting to, to see our, our family the whole lot. Uh, right now. You know, we come home from work might to grab dinner with them or, you know, Danny and John might have to run their kids to soccer practice or ballet recital or something like that. And then we're right back at the at practice and rehearsals or doing props. And it's been hard to kind of keep up that, that Christmas cheer that normally comes along with the season.
0: Yeah. And I get a sense probably there's something about the priorities of like Danny, even when you're talking about commuting and like what are the priorities and making sure you're true to that. I, is a little bit of that in your days?
1: Uh, yeah, a thousand percent of that. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm like, okay, what am I not going to get done today? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, and the same thing. Like, you know, before I, I I take a a moment to talk about like you know the the challenges of that balance. Um, I, I mean, unfortunately, uh, John, who is our friend, right, uh, the other the main actor and the director and co-producer of this play, like, the guy's carrying a, a huge load. Mm-hmm. We definitely couldn't do it without him. And, you know, like Stephen mentioned, you know, he's got a, a very full life um, and a, a very a lot of responsibility outside of us trying to, to pull this play together. I mean, in addition to all the stuff he's doing, he's very creative, very smart, uh, very driven. Um, and he has a vision, right? And he drives us towards that vision, and it comes off really well. We did the play six years ago to a packed house um, for each performance, and people left. And, I mean, even for the past six years since the last time we did this play, we'll run into people who saw it six years ago and they ask, when's the next time you're doing that again? That really made that whole time of the year really special. We would love to come see it again. And so that's the kind of impact and joy that kind of drives us. And so like, okay, you know, let's do it again. And I think that's what drives John. And I think that's what helps to drive all of us through some of the challenges. And one of the big challenges that happened this year, uh, unfortunately, so John got injured about a month and a half ago to the point where we weren't sure if we were going to be able to continue with the show. And and we, know, we were already well into rehearsing. We already had the theater scheduled. We were already promoting it, um, selling tickets. And so he, John also produces a holiday, like a Halloween themed, you know, haunted house. There's a party that goes along with it and hundreds of people come through. He does an amazing job. Well, while building that set for the Halloween haunted house, there was uh, this load of wood that got knocked off of a shelf and it fell and it hit his hand and it broke his hand to the point where it required surgery and pens and him to be in a cast. And he actually was supposed to get the cast off on Tuesday, uh, Monday, which is the day this, you know, tomorrow, basically, the day before we get the theater to load in and to get everything prepared for our show this coming weekend on the 16th, 17th, and 18th. He actually got it off a couple of days ago. So he's ahead of schedule and he's, he's moving really well. And so, but we had to make the decision of like, okay, there was all these pieces that we were going to do that we added to the show that we had to remove because he just, he literally couldn't move his hand. And, and so all of those pieces were removed. It was a lot of stress on all of us to try to figure out how we were going to do it. We're bringing it to the city. We want to bring joy to people's lives, but is the show going to be worthwhile? And there was a lot of questioning going around between all of us. It, I, not, there weren't hurt feelings, but I mean, there were definitely, everyone was definitely a little upset because, you know, here we go with what we're trying to do, produce a show. And it felt like everything was working against us. Yeah. Um. And, and so, but we, we, we kind of, after some hard conversations, some very, you know, I'd say emotional moments and tear filled, you know, tear filled moments, right. And you got, you got the three of us who are up here acting and doing drama, but I mean, there's some real drama going on and, You know, we decided that, hey, you know what, there's a reason we did this. Um, we we want to uplift spirits. We want people to, to give thanks um, for this time of the season for each other and the things that can bring them joy. And this is one of the ways that, that we can really contribute to that uh, outwardly. And so we decided to go for it and then we'll just, we'll make it the best we can. And we've been blessed um, with a rapid healing from John. We've been blessed in a number of other ways. So I, I'm just, I'm I'm really thankful for, for John pushing through it because I know he has physical pain. I mean, he had physical pain for a month of us doing rehearsals and to make sure we could do the pieces for when he got the cast off and push through that physical pain in and, and order to make sure that the show was going to be everything if we wanted it to be for other people. Um, yeah, so it's a real challenge there.
0: Yeah, well, and it sounds like, I mean, and I use the term resistance, not just in like a, a thin way, if you will, but like lots of times when we're, following our hearts and doing what we know we need to do or something we're following joy in some way the universe in some crazy way will throw this huge amount of resistance right <laughs> like and i love that you guys took the, the the courageous stance to basically say um no like we see what's happening here but there's something else that's basically more important and i don't I do and again yeah. i don't mean that to be like a, a thin dismissal of what happened with john at all but like You can tell that that you guys really like this is something that you bonded together. And I I imagine it's something that that spirit will come out when you're on stage together of this mindful decision to really follow joy.
1: No, it does. And and here's the amazing thing is like, despite that, you know, we had. Um, a rehearsal now, look, We did the show six years ago, right? And we did months of practice. We've been doing months of practice here. And you you think we would be tired of this story. Uh, there are times like we're on stage and, you know, it's just the three of us there who are running our lines, running the pieces. And like at any given time, just one of us just dies laughing. <laughs> we just are so enjoying each other's company. We're enjoying the piece, the written, the way that uh, we're interpreting it. Um, and what we're bringing to the stage, just the interaction we can imagine and, and the response the audience is going to have. And, and we just die laughing. Like, and it's like, it, makes it, it makes it worth it. And look, I, I can tell you, there's a number of times I, I think and I wanted to quit. Stephen's probably the same, you know, and, but we, we didn't. And so, now bringing, bringing it back around, not forgetting you know, the question that it asked us, you know, part of that was, well, it's a really hard balance. Because now, yeah. you know, John, is, he's got a, you know, a broken hand. He's out in surgery, right? He's not able to help, and we definitely need his help in in terms of, like, building the set. Because we did all this ourselves. We're not getting paid to do this. Like, the Mm -hmm. money to put the show on, right, is coming out of our pocket. Ticket sales go towards, like, a nonprofit, and then, uh, you know, kind of paying back our initial investment. Mm -hmm. Um, And any of the proceeds that we make, you know, don't, don't go to us. We don't get paid to do this. And so we're like, oh, my gosh, you know, this is really hard. Is it worth it? you know, should we put this money out? Can we even put the show on? Do we need to delay the show a year? Is that even possible? Like just you, you spend months working on something and all of a sudden you're like, do we have to stop doing it? Right. Do we have to cancel everything? It's really hard. And so part of that is you're looking at your family and I've got two daughters. And so my youngest daughter yesterday is in the Nutcracker. And so she plays two different, you know, small roles. You know, she's only six, but very cute as a, as a mouse um, with boxing gloves on and (laughs) as, uh, you know, one of the, oh my God, I can't, I think it's Rose Hips. I can't remember if it's the Rosebud or Rose Hips. You know, one's one's the boys, one's the girls, but um, she does the other one. She opened yesterday, and so I've got her doing her rehearsals, and she, her performance started yesterday and runs all the way through my performances. You have my performances starting next week. You have my older daughter who plays competitive soccer, and so she's traveling all over the Bay Area and, you know, even in Northern California to play in tournaments and do two to four games a weekend. So you're trying to juggle taking a, taking the kids to their ballet rehearsal and then taking them to soccer, right? And thank God for my wife because there's no way we'd be able to do this besides the fact that she has her own business, right? And, you know, does that as well. So you know, between all of us, we're incredibly busy, but somehow, you know, we're able to work it out and say, okay you know, look, her one daughter playing soccer is really important and we don't want to miss that. Like that's the whole, you know, the whole purpose that we're driving her and that's her passion. Okay. The other Mm -hmm. one's ballet. Okay. Well, we're not going to miss anything she's doing. Okay. Well, mine, one of my passions is being on stage and acting and, and having fun and bringing joy and I don't get to do it a lot. So we decided as a family, okay, look, this season of our life is going to be really challenging. And there's a number of things that we're going to have to not do. Like, you know, okay, so we get it. We're not going to have as much time together in the evenings as a family for family dinners. Okay, well, we're going to have to probably cancel most of our date nights. you know, for for me and the wife. Okay, so we're going to be a little tired. So we need to be a little bit more forgiving to each other when we start snipping at each other. (laughs) through the (laughs) week when everybody's tired, which definitely happens, right? It probably happens in every household. So, but you just, you stick together, you stay committed, and you're like, look, we're not going to give up on each other. Well, mm-hmm. we're going to help each other out to make sure something happens no matter what it is. And that's true with family. And that's true, you know, with these, with these my, my two brothers, right, my two friends here, the two people that I'm so happy that are a part of my life with it, with John and with Stephen. And so that's really that commitment to not give up on each other, uh, and that commitment to drive each other to do things that you love, do things that you can help. You know, help other people. You know, uplifts other people. I think is really kind of the crux of finding that joy, finding that balance to get to the joy.
0: Mm. Yes, I love all that, Danny. Um, yeah, because it really is. It's. It's. I love what you're saying about it being the communication amongst the people involved. That like, it's really a decision. Like, there's something there's a greater good, there's a bigger vision, and a greater desire for everyone to follow joy and have joy in their lives, that you guys are all saying yes to that. And and by doing that, it sounds like there's a strengthening, or I, I know there's a strengthening of the family bond, because you each are uplifting each other. And it sounds like there's a great fa- a family-like bond with you and, and Stephen and John, too, where you're all saying yes to the same thing, and we're going to make it happen, and we'll figure it out as we go, because <laughs> we're always yeah. going to get a few curveballs. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Stephen, did you want to weigh in on in, any of those thoughts?
2: The only thing I would add is, every time that you know we get down on you know, stuff or we're just not feeling great, something happens that just brings us back to it. And mm-hmm. either you know we we're doing rehearsal, and something that we never thought of before, or the way that somebody says a line hits us, or something in our outside lives comes in and and brings joy to us. And one thing that comes to mind is, uh, I don't know, Danny, if you can relate the story about your two girls having a conversation about me at the dinner table that one night. Uh,
1: Yes. (laughs) Uh, So uh, as part of the play, you know, Stephen plays a number of characters. Uh, One of the things we do is take suggestions from audiences. and, And almost every year, every time, you know, somebody says, you know, something about Santa, um, and Rudolph and, and we kind of what happens around the elves. And so we do a bit that's all centered around Santa. And so Stephen, right, plays Santa Claus. And, of course, as Santa Claus, he has presents to deliver. So he's very business-driven. The elves are, are, are John and I, and, you know, we're doing whatever elves do, which aren't always <laughs> focused on delivering toys. You know, Stephen just drives and drives and drives. And so we were sitting at the dinner table. Thankfully, we, you know, the four of us are, as a family are sitting on the dinner table. And we were talking about the holiday season and we were talking about some just some other topic. And now the girls have seen the show like we're just having a conversation about, okay, oh, yeah, well, we want to go here and we're going to go see, you know, see Sam at the mall and or or at Bass Pro Shops or we're going to go do this. Okay, we're going to decorate like this. And something came up to where it was like, you know, somebody was having a bad time and, and Stephen kind of got mentioned. And he's like, oh, yeah, you know, like grumpy Santa. And so now every time we walk around, all we talk about is grumpy Santa. And so, you know, we, we gave Stephen this name. And so then I take like, oh, my God, dude, like here's the story. Like we're just having this conversation. And out of nowhere, like un- totally unexpected, my youngest, my youngest goes. Oh yeah, you mean like Grumpy Santa? And so I was like, oh, I didn't even realize you recognized that. Not only that was that his character, right? In the brief moment that you saw it and that you picked up on it, but that it had an impact where you knew he was grumpy, but you knew it was funny at the same time. And so I, I texted Stephen uh, and shared it to to him. And I, you know, Stephen, you could tell your reaction there.
2: Those are the things that we love, that we that we thrive on. You know, things that we don't even think about when we're doing it. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think one of us ever called me Grumpy Santa uh, at any point during the play. So you, you hear those little things, especially from, from children who are, who are so young. And even though there's some dialogue that children aren't going to understand, that you can still make them laugh, bring them joy uh, just through, you know, small interactions and, and a little bit of uh, slapstick comedy
0: i love it yeah that sounds like that is one of those moments too that like it sounds like it'll be part of the what the the christmas story for you guys danny like through growing up basically like now grumpy santa is a thing which is so awesome yes yeah
1: exactly like we've got this whole like yeah we've got this whole history right it's like this, this big inside family joke now where it's like, oh, oh, if, you know, if someone's, if someone's kind of being grumpy, but they don't really need to be. It's kind of like, oh, oh who's being a grumpy Santa today?
0: <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so, yeah, so you want to share where can people find out more about the play if they want to go see you guys? Where do they give information on your performance?
1: Yeah, so they, you can go to the website. So it's xmascomedy.com. Um, mm-hmm. And they'll redirect you to the nonprofit. Organization which is Landmark Musical Theater. Now it is only one weekend in San Francisco, and it's at the Children's Creativity Theater in Yerba Buena Gardens, um, which is right next to the Metreon, So there are matinee shows available with uh, tickets for, you know, kid prices. And it's very affordable. I mean, the the tickets range from $15 to $40 for the, you know, the front row seat. And smaller theater, it's about 165 seats. Uh, so everybody, like any seat you get really is a, a good seat. So yeah, if people want to come to the show, we would absolutely love to have them out uh, for them to come and say, hi, let us know. You heard us on the podcast so we can tell Paula um, and just (laughs) let us know that, you know, if if there's anything that particularly moved you about the show or or this conversation, I, these are the types of things that we love to hear. Um, And encourage us to keep trying to push through, all the stuff that gets thrown at us that stops us from trying to like display the joy that we have to others.
0: Awesome. And I will link up to all that and give the dates and times all listed on the, the show notes too over on my website if you're unfortunately commuting or, or otherwise unable to write that stuff down right now. Well, cool. So we've already talked a little bit about balance. Um but I don't know, Stephen, how about you can start on this one, but what does balance look like for you and how do you maintain harmony in your life?
2: I have to section things out i i can't try and do everything at once i mean that's pretty much the definition of downside so Mm -hmm. you know if i'm at work i'm i'm trying to focus on work i'm not trying to uh do two things at once and you know on one computer screen working on stuff for the play and on the other screen doing work stuff you know i've got to be focused and it is kind of challenging being on call so you know if i'm in the middle of practice or something like that and my phone goes off You know, if I go off stage real quick, I might check it just to see if it's an emergency. If it's not an emergency, then I have to just say, okay, I need to focus on the play right now and I can get back to him. But if it is an emergency, then, you know, I I do, you know, sometimes have to to take the call right away. So that's as far as work with personal life. uh, With my wife, it's uh, being very open and communicating with her pretty much everything. Um, Trying not to commit to extra things without talking to her first. You know, every, you know, moment that I have spare, you know, trying to spend that with her, uh, not playing video games that I like to play or uh, going out and doing something with a friend or something like that, just saying, okay, I, I just need to spend time with her. Let's go out to dinner. Let's watch a movie, something like that. But I think the most important thing to her is, is kind of communicating, making sure she feels like she's part of this as well, even though she's not in the play, that she's, you know, part of it as, as we are a team. So just saying hey Danny needs me to go over and go be with the painters at four o'clock so uh, is that cool with you you know do you have any problem with that and if she does have a problem I hope she knows that I think she knows that she can tell me that and I'll be like Danny I'm really sorry but I can't make that today so that's kind of how I try to keep a balance is just communicating it and staying focused at the the task at hand I love that yeah
0: I think communication is so important and I love that you've you voice that you make it a question instead of it just being, uh, you know, a pronouncement. I've, I've found that in yeah, my exactly. own, in my own marriage, like that's been really helpful where my husband, Sean, we both ask for the things that we want to do, not just like, mm-hmm. Hey, I'm going to go do this. It's always the, the question of, will this work? Can we make it work? You know, so I love that you brought that yeah. up. Danny, how about you? What does balance look like? And how is, how does harmony work in your house? Mostly crying.
1: Yeah, a lot of crying. <laughs> no, I'm, <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Mostly kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, so, uh, yeah, and I, I did allude to this a little bit earlier. Um, and, and it's a lot of uh, forgiveness, honestly. All of us, you know, are, are going to get tired at one point. We're going to forget. Um, and so... I think that the the heart of that is forgiveness. And then I think the second thing is a little bit of sacrifice, right? So one of the things I usually do, and, and not, it says a play when I'm not doing play stuff, um, is I usually play soccer, uh, you know, recreationally now. But I used to play pretty competitive. Earlier, uh, a year ago, actually, I had reconstructive surgery on my ankle. They put the leg back together, the foot back together. Um, I have plates and screws. And the doctor told me I'd never be able to run again. Um, I was in a wheelchair for, you know, the first three months of this year. I never thought I'd be able to even get on stage again. So it was really hard. So, you know, part of the ability to be able to get back up and to do those things and to do physical therapy like I did to get through it um, and to start playing soccer again, you know, made me really excited. But I knew I couldn't do both, you know, five years ago, sure. But, you know, my body can't hold up to that anymore. And so, like, I went to my wife in terms of balance and I said, hey, really want to do this play. So she has been in place and really understands the sacrifice that it takes. And so basically I cut out everything extraneous or individual to me uh, in order to make sure that this happened. And so she's willing to sacrifice time. I'm willing to sacrifice other personal things to make it happen. And so... You know, really having that understanding of forgiveness, right, and then choosing your own individual sacrifices as well as having mutual family sacrifices. Those are things that I think really protect our ability to take that joy, to get through the hard times, and to really push forward. Um, and yeah. that's how we, I mean, we tend to manage it together as a family. Now, and I totally agree with what Steven said. Like, I'm horrible at multitasking. Um, like, I, I don't actually think anybody's really good at it, you know, <laughs> my own personal thing. I, I just think, I think, yeah, sure, you can get a lot done, but none of the things you got done are, are as good as they could have been had you mm-hmm. <laughs> focused individually on one thing. Now, and, and maybe... That's just from managing people over the years and watching people try to multitask and and just consistently failing at it myself. You know, just the balance is, okay, I've got several lists and I don't look at each of the separate lists. You know, If I'm going to shift, I sometimes even physically shift computers. I have my desktop computer, my laptop computer. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. okay, if I'm going to do this stuff, I'm going to do it physically uh, in this next seat over on this computer. Um, and that's you know all play stuff. But then if I'm going to do work stuff, then it's all on this computer. And so I'm like, okay, even though I saw an email come in or a message, I don't switch to it unless I switch computers. And I don't want to switch computers because I'm in the middle of doing something good. And that's my own personal process, and it's probably excessive for a lot of people. But it helps me get stuff done quickly and with quality. So,
0: I like that. I think there's something really nice. I mean, having been in an entrepreneurial space myself, like there's something nice about you're actually setting the stage, if you will, for this is the work time and this is the play time. Like, I think there's something brilliant about that because fully agree multitasking is just like a myth. That doesn't, that isn't really very good probably for anyone. Um, yeah. Okay. So
1: yeah, physical. Yeah. I like the setting the stage comment you had because it, I mean, that's yeah. true for the play, but that's really mm-hmm. true. In my personal life. Like, so here's the thing. I, my commute is probably 10, 15, 20 yards from my bed to the garage. <laughs> Cause I set up my office in the garage. Yeah. And so, uh, I I don't I, I actually try to go through a transformational process where I'm like, okay, you know I, I read this a long time ago. It's like, okay, if you're gonna work from home, well, maybe you're gonna sit around in your pajamas. well I, go and put your shoes on at least, right? Get yourself in the space that you're doing, going something and changing. So I actually fully get dressed for work, right You get ready, you get fully dressed for work. I come into the garage, the space that I work, is, you know, unique to my work that I do. So when I'm here, this is my work area. And so um, as such, right, it helps me to put me in there. It's like, oh, okay, the stage is set for this part of the play. This is the role I'm currently playing. Let me Mm -hmm. do that successfully.
0: Yes, I love that. It's so true. Because it's easy just to phone it in, if you will, from the couch. And but then, yeah, I think there's something really good about getting yourself in the mindset and this actual physical space of it being like, this is what I'm doing here and now. Yeah, fully agree. Cool. Well, let's jump to the, the last question. Um, and we can start. We'll jump back over to Steven. So, what are three ways that you can think of to jumpstart joy in your life, in the world, or in other people's lives?
2: Serving others, uh, definitely. I, I don't think I know of anybody who ever said they did something for someone else and it was just the most awful thing in the world for them to do. Um, you know, it, it's just something as small as, you know, paying for somebody's cup of coffee in the drive-through behind you or. You know, paying for groceries for someone who looks like they're they might be using food stamps or having trouble finding their wallet or something like that. So definitely uh, serving others uh, it mm-hmm. brings them joy as well as you. Second, taking taking little things for yourself, uh, just you know something that brings you joy that is you know it's not going to affect anybody else, but just just a little thing like you know treat yourself to an ice cream or or something like that, and then just and i guess sacrificing time or you know something something that maybe isn't going to bring you joy but it's going to bring someone else joy i think that, that in the long run will will come back to you and, and make you feel a little bit better about yourself even if you might not be having joy in the moment
0: yeah it's almost like a almost a, a pay it forward kind of thing
2: yeah yeah anyway. so like, you know the first thing i was talking about that's like, that's like you know, oh, I'm going to pay for this guy's coffee. Yeah, I'm me so good. I know I'm helping him out or whatever. Yeah. The third one, it might be something that you know is the right thing to do, but you're not going to get any payback for it immediately. You know, yeah. it's just something you're just saying, I'm, I'm doing this because I know it's the right thing to do. And even if they're not appreci- appreciating it right now, hopefully, you know, when they go back and look at it later, they might, they might uh, be affected by it.
0: Yeah, I love that. It's a very altruistic spirit there. And Danny, what about you? Three ways to jumpstart joy in your life, in the world, or other people's lives.
1: Uh, So, so, I mean, Stephen got, I mean, Stephen nailed it, right? He he got some really (laughs) good ones.
0: Yeah. And, and I'm glad
1: I'm glad that you give me the challenge of going uh, second because of course you know you feel the pressure to add three new ones. <laughs> but don't worry, yeah, well, I think well, I can do it.
0: <laughs> it's always hard when there's two did. guests because yeah, <laughs> somebody gets some of them first. But yeah,
1: yeah. Thanks, Stephen. Yeah. <laughs> so so no, but really, so, <laughs> I love you too, man. I love you too. <laughs> So, so, uh, so here's, uh, so here's what I've done. So I, on any given day of the week, I'm doing a business consulting call, you know, for my professional life. And uh, when you're going through that, you're going through all the challenges of, and I work with a lot of like entrepreneurs and startups, and uh, as people are going through their challenges, I mean, they come across all kinds of stuff and it always delves into some kind of personal. And so there's a couple things that I've learned in working with people for how I can help. I create joy for them or create joy for myself and get through tough situations. And so, so these are, you know, three kind of things that I do to try to help ensure that I continue that joy or to bring joy to others. Um, So one of them is like when you're on the phone with somebody or you're talking to somebody, smile, right? Mm -hmm. Smile through the conversation and it can take a hard conversation and it ensures that if you're forcing yourself to smile I, it's really ha- hard to have a bad tone, right? And then your your inflection changes, and that can really change the conversation. And people can be like, you know, I'm really glad I got to talk to you today, because even though we're going through a hard time, or even though you're helping me through a challenge in my personal life or my business life, you're like you're doing it in such a way that like I just I just want to talk to you. I want to connect with you, and, and so it really helps um, for you to communicate that genuineness to somebody else. So smile. Right. Like, and it's, it seems like a simple thing, but it's not just not easy to do all the time. Um, don't get stuck. Right. So one of my rules in life is don't get stuck.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: because that's where a lot of frustration comes from. Right. And and the, there's a couple things that I think I think is a pretty deep kind of saying. And the reason is it's, it reveals vulnerabilities right? And it's pretty deep seated. So if you get stuck, you're going to get frustrated. It doesn't matter what you're really doing. Um, And so uh, going back to kind of the business calls, like people come up against a challenge and then they get stuck. And I'm like, look, I said, we have regularly scheduled appointments to go through this business process and coaching. We have a meeting next week. I said, uh, you know, two weeks ago, when we scheduled a meeting for today, I let you know if you get stuck like if you're not sure what to do or something's not working, give me a call. Like give me a call, send me an email, text me, whatever the case is. Just don't get stuck. I'm here to help do some of the lifting for you. Mm-hmm. And so I think a lot of times people are like, no, I can do it myself. And then they get stuck because they're not good at it. It takes too long. They're, un- they're un- Like they're just not sure what the next step is or-, or how to help. And instead of saying, oh, well, I could really use some help, um, they dwell on it, right? And then you start oh well, you start coming up with all kinds of excuses. Well, I was busy, or well, I'm not that smart, or you know, I just I, I just didn't know how to do it or I didn't have time or it's not as important and really it is and it's causing frustration and what happens is people don't want to admit the vulnerability that they have. And so they don't yeah. want to say, Oh, I I just I, I just don't know what to do next. I need help because if they feel like they're going to be judged. And it's like, yo, look, there's no judgment. Like if you need help. I need help with all kinds of things. So if you need help, just ask, don't get stuck on something. Ask somebody for help. It's okay to be vulnerable, right? In the right way. And if somebody takes that vulnerability and mistreats it, right, then, then <laughs> try to turn their joy around, right? There's an opportunity for you to smile back at them on the phone and say, Hey, or, you know, or even in person, right? And, uh, it's just, I don't know. It's there's just a number of things there. Yes. that are really deep-seated and, and don't get stuck, right? Anywhere, anything you're doing in life, don't get stuck. Ask somebody for help. Be aware of the frustration. Be aware that there's a vulnerability there and be okay with it, right? Mm-hmm. We all have to learn and we can't forget to continue learning. Um, And that will really help you to f- continue to feel that joy and focus on the things that do make you really happy. Like that sense of accomplishment is what it really ties into. And being having something accomplished is one of the, um, best feelings of joy, right? You're like, I got something done. Like I did it. And even if I needed help, I still got it done and I learned it. Now I know how to do it next time.
0: I love it. Yes. And that's like, that answers an entire podcast episode all in itself right there. (laughs) I love it. Yeah. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Well, feel free to, feel free to call me on that. I, I, I mean, that's just I do that, that every day. So uh, I, I mean, I love helping people in terms of that one. So yeah. <laughs> happy to have a continue, have another conversation. I have do have a back. third one for Mr. You.
0: Williams. Yes. <laughs> Go ahead.
1: <laughs> well, well, you know, so, so Paula, knowing me, you know, that something like this was going to come up. So maybe after I give you this answer, you won't invite me back, but we'll see. Um, so in terms of joy, right. Uh, I'm going to take it to the relationship level. And so when you think about relationships, right? And you think about, like, especially in marriage, like, you're going to fight, you're going to fight with your spouse, uh, you're going to have arguments, have disagreements. And sometimes, like, you're just fighting over this stupidest stuff. It's right? mm-hmm. just totally asinine. You're like, why? why are, not only why are we fighting about this? Why are we even talking about it? And so, you know, sometimes there, there are good reasons to have a discussion, uh, to try to keep it from being heated. And, but there is a good way to figure out whether it's an important discussion or if it's a meaningless discussion, right? So here's what you're going to do. If you're going to ever fight with your spouse, right, the rule is you have to do it naked. <laughs> okay? Anytime an argument starts... You'd be like, all right, that's it. Okay. If you want to argue with me, if you want to fight with me, we both have to get naked. Because if it's not that important, you're going to end up in the bedroom doing something different. And there you go. There's all kinds of joy for you. So fight naked, people. Fight naked. Oh, my gosh.
0: That is some hearty advice right there. Thank you. Oh, my gosh. Okay. I have to recompose myself. Um, <laughs>
1: well hey give it give it a try all right next yeah, right. time next time sean next time sean i'll have to have a stupid argument be like all right i'll argue with you but only if we're both naked
0: <laughs> and there you have it yes um well because there i i love what you're saying not specifically about fighting naked but but what i was thinking of as you started it was that there's those fights where you find yourself even like really heatedly and i don't know about you but there's been times when i feel like i'm almost about to start laughing because i can't remember why we started fighting so yeah exactly I i think changing it up would help that that moment um yeah so thanks you guys so much for being on the show um I, I am so excited for your show and wish you guys the best of luck and happy, happy holidays.
1: Thank you, Paula. Happy holidays to you and everybody who's listening too.
0: Thank you, Danny and Steven. I am so glad that you guys are on the show. Thank you for bringing so much joy to everyone's lives. To get all of the links or find out more, head on over to the show notes at jumpstartyourjoy.com slash episode 66. You can get the links for every Christmas story ever told, and then some, along with the links to get tickets to this show. It's running this coming weekend, which is December 16th through 18th, 2016 in San Francisco. I will be in the audience on Sunday the 18th, and I would love to see you there. Be sure to stop on by and say hi if you happen to be there. Next week, in episode 67, I will be doing a solo cast on Joy in Uncertain Times, I feel like the last few weeks with the Trump election and other unsettling world events that it's been just harder than ever to tap into joy. I'm going to share my thoughts on how to look at joy even in hard times and and even when it feels like there's so much else going on and why following joy now is more important than ever. So I hope you'll come back for that one. I will see you guys next week. And until then, I hope that your days are filled with so much joy.